the show you love with even more local news and more local talk. The voice of the valley. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5. On air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here's your host, Mike Douglas. And a wonderful Wednesday afternoon to you here from the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Mike Douglas here, your concierge for conversation as we get things going midweek again here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. My friends, it is T minus. 20 days until the midterm elections on November 8. And just a reminder, on election night, we will have our normal time together here on the Mike Douglas Show from 3 to 5 p.m. And then we'll be back from 7 to 9 p.m. to take a look at early election results, what's happening, get some commentary from some of our great guests that we have during uh, elections. And I just encourage you to mark that on your calendar. Again, uh, Mike Douglas Show on election night, 3 to 5 p.m. Then we'll be back 7 to 9 p.m. as well for uh, expanded election coverage. And my friends, again, I implore, urge, maybe even beg all of you to vote. And again, I do not tell you who to vote for, what to vote for. I give you my opinions. You are intelligent, and that's the purpose of being live and local here, is so that we can talk about the issues that confront us here in the Central Valley of California. You process information well, I know that, from most of your calls. You are good thinkers. And so I implore you, please, to vote. I know the temptation is to say, my vote's not going to count come November 8th. Yes, it is. Well, mail-in ballots and all that, the fraud, vote anyway, please. I, I ask you, please, go to the polls. We have one way to deal with this that all of us can do, most of us, if we're citizens and we're of age, and that is to vote coming up on November 8. And again, I do believe this is, uh, this is not a, a partisan issue for me at all. I believe that the future of this nation is really at risk. And if we don't turn a corner on November 8, I think the the outlook is pretty dismal, and I'm normally a half glass or a half full glass guy. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic, but I I believe that this election uh, is the pivot point, and it is just critical that all people with common sense vote. Let me let me set some context for you on this, if if you don't mind. Let's go back to 1941. Prime Minister Winston Churchill, not a well-liked guy. He was very rough around the edges. He had some personality issues. He was not a guy that most people would say was warm and fuzzy and made them feel good. On October 29, 1941, Prime Minister Winston Churchill delivered an iconic message at Harrow School. Now remember, he was not particularly likable, but he was the man providentially appointed to be Britain's Prime Minister at a particularly catastrophic, deadly, 
and potentially apocalyptic time. Now, his words have been misquoted, and I'm going to deal with that shortly because there are reasons for quoting him properly. And let me set the stage for this. Earlier that month, on October 2nd, 1941, six Paris synagogues were bombed by the Gestapo. On October 13, Nazis kill 11,000 Jewish children and old people, where? In Ukraine with another 16,000 Jews murdered by the Nazis on October 25. Terrible times. And earlier that year, earlier in 1941, Jews living in Germany were required to wear the Yellow Star of David. And 38 days after the brief speech, we're going to hear a clip from it on December 7, 1941, the Imperial Japanese Navy attacks the U.S. fleet at Pearl Harbor Naval Base in Hawaii. At that naval base, 353 planes attacked, killing 2,403 people. So by the time Winston Churchill gave this speech, and that is a time frame from September 7, 1940 to May 10, 1941, the German Luftwaffe bombed London for 57 consecutive nights. And by the end of May 1941, more than 40,000 civilians, half of them in London, have been killed as a result of the bombings. And a large number of houses in London, as you probably recall, were destroyed or damaged. Which lends historical context and, I think, intensity to these words from Prime Minister Winston Churchill. And this was 38 days before Pearl Harbor and the United States' entry into World War II. Times were violent. Times were uncertain, especially in Europe. So here he is. This is Prime Minister Winston Churchill, October 29, 1941. Surely in this period of 10 months, this is the lesson. Never give in. Never give in. Never, never, never. In nothing, great or small, large or petty, never give in except to convictions of honor and good sense. Never yield to force. Never yield to the apparently overwhelming might of the enemy. Would you allow me to reiterate that? Because I think his words are well spoken to us today. He's saying, surely from this period of 10 months, this is the lesson, never give in Never give in, never, 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 in nothing, great or small, large or petty, never give in, except to convictions of honor and good sense. And then what I think is profound, never yield to force, never yield to the apparently overwhelming might of the enemy. And I believe today the overwhelming might of the enemy is not just the woke culture. I believe it's the enemy that's in charge of evil. I believe that we are experiencing a terrible spiritual war in addition to everything else. Now, what happened back then? It's estimated that, and you talk about never giving in, make note of this. 
it's estimated that between 60 to 63% of the Jews in Europe were executed by Germany during the Holocaust. And yet, and I bring back this lesson of never, 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 and nothing great or small, large or petty, never give in. And yet, David Ben-Gurion made the declaration of the establishment of the Jewish state on May 14, 1948. Now notice, Winston Churchill did not say never give up. That's the common misquote. And this is important, my friends, I believe. Churchill did not say never give up. Winston Churchill said never give in. And I believe we must never give in. Now what's the difference, Mike? Giving up, to me, is to raise the white flag and quit. That's giving up. Giving in is to become part of the evil system. It's to become part of the dysfunction. Giving in is to become part of the evil. And so, my friends, I encourage you, implore you to vote on November 8th Do not give in. Do not give in to the lie that your vote does not count. Do not give in to the lie that you cannot affect change in this state and this country. It's not going to be a light switch that goes on and off. Look how long it took for dysfunction and evil to creep in. But we can overcome this, but we must not curl up into the fetal position into our little bubbles and pretend that everything's okay on the outside. We must fight in terms of operating within the legal system that we have and vote. I encourage you, I implore you, do not give in. Do not become part of the evil that is sweeping our country and that has infiltrated Sacramento, that has infiltrated Washington, D.C., and the hallowed halls of the State House there. Do not give in. Please. Um, all right. More coffee in a moment. I'll tell you something else that you should not give in on, and that is giving in on or giving up on selling your house, especially right now. Mortgage rate increases, they can be discouraging. They're impacting home sales. Wall Street Journal reports home sales are down an average of 20% from this time last year. Who do you go to in times like this? Well, there's only one agent I would trust with selling my own home during a market slowdown like this, and that's Dan Phipps. Absolutely. You want to move closer to work? think, eh, I don't know that I can afford it. Well, call the agent I trust and recommend. Call Dan Phipps. Dan's proprietary marketing system guarantees multiple offers in 72 hours for full market value, or Dan will sell it for free. His home selling program, it's designed to maximize your sales price. You're in complete control. There's no required costly repairs. There are no long-term contracts that are pages long. Nope. And you get to pick your move date. Dan can even help you find a new home before you move. 
Kyle and Tammy know all about it in Oakdale. They had a long commute. They were tired. No way. They said, could we sell our home for enough to afford a decent place closer to work? They were hoping for a miracle, so they called Dan Phipps, and he delivered one. Their home sold for a price beyond their expectations, and they have the cash then to buy a home closer to work. They say, thank you, Dan Phipps, indeed. Well, call Dan Phipps. Dan's the man I'd recommend. I'd hire him to sell my own home. He's the only agent who guarantees multiple offers in 72 hours, or it's sold free. Call Dan Phipps, 209-593-1111, or go to danphipps.com. That's Dan Phipps with three Ps, D-A-N-P-H-I-P-P-S dot com. All right, the conversation continues in three minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. He's got issues. Let's talk about it. The Mike Douglas Show, on air and online. Power Talk, 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk, 1360 KFIV. Thank you so much for joining us. And just a reminder for those of you listening on the iHeartRadio app, tap that little red talkback mic when you're listening to the Power Talk, 1360 KFIV station on your iHeartRadio app, especially if you're listening to our show on it right now, you can tap that little red talkback mic and send a voice message to me or the Mike Douglas Show in general, to the station, or to producer Mike. In fact, if you have a scintillating, sizzling comment, we might also uh, play it on the air as well. So, again, if you're using the uh, iHeartRadio app, it's free. Just tap that red talkback mic, and you can leave us a message. I just saw this just now. This is about an hour ago. The CDC panel has voted to add COVID shots to the recommended childhood vaccine schedule in schools. Huh. The CDC panel has voted to add COVID shots to the recommended childhood vaccine schedule in schools. Now, I can pretty much guarantee that the White House is going to fall in lockstep with this. Which brings up, I think, some, I hadn't planned to do this now, but with that bulletin, let, let, me do, let, let me dive into this with you. Last night, Tucker Carlson's show, Dr. Marty McCurry, and we've, we've had him on the show here, and we've played a lot of his comments. Again, a renowned professor at Johns Hopkins University, a surgeon and also a, an expert on public health as well. Dr. McCurry says the child vaccine story is essentially a story of bypassing clinical data. Now, that's a pretty sobering statement from a known authority on infectious disease. Here's Dr. McCurry. Well, there's certainly no clinical data. They've got data from eight mice on the Omicron vaccine in young people. And the child vaccine story is essentially a story of bypassing clinical data, which is why many of us are asking, why even have an FDA? Why do we even right. do clinical trials? Right now, we've got pharma 
saying, hey, we did a study. We're going to give you the top line of the press release. We're going to call the White House. And the White House then calls the FDA and the CDC and tells them to get in line. They bought 170 million doses of this new Omicron vaccine. There has never been a vaccine added to the child immunization schedule without solid clinical evidence that it reduces disease significantly in the community. The COVID vaccine in children will be the first. It will be added with no clinical data. All right. Uh, Isn't that sort of sobering, isn't it? (laughs) There has never been a vaccine added to the child immunization schedule without solid clinical evidence that it reduces disease significantly, significantly in the community. The COVID vaccine in children will be the first. It will be added with no clinical data. Does that concern you? Do you have children that you love in your life, whether they're yours or neighbors or extended family members? Do you, do you think the CDC perhaps is out of control on this, along with its White House enforcement arm? Do you have, do you have kids you care about? Do you want to see them forced to take the shot to go to school? 209-551-3483. What do you think? Are you okay with that? Or do you see some problems with that? Dr. McCary went on to say that one in 5,000 vaccine doses results in a severe adverse event, according to data from Germany. And he warns the dangers to children and wonders what the White House and the CDC is hiding in terms of data. His point is, if there's data to show COVID shots are safe for children, where is it? Why can't we see it? Many of us that are saying, hey, let's see the data, we're basically told, stop asking questions. Dr. Ja, who's the chief COVID advisor at the White House, has said he has seen the data, but it's not public information. What are they hiding? Why can't we see this information? Instead, we're basically seeing this intense paternalism to really just do what we say and stop asking questions. And the CDC's committee that's voting, I mean, that is essentially a kangaroo court. You have to be an official card-carrying vaccine fanatic to be on that committee. If you're not, then basically they're not going to accept people who think that some vaccines are important and others lack the evidence to support broad distribution. Remember, one in 5,000 vaccine doses results in a severe adverse event, according to data from overseas, from Germany, because we don't fund that research in the U.S. And in Israel, they took 283 people who got myocarditis from the vaccine. One of them died, two were in the ICU. So if thousands of people are going to get myocarditis from this indiscriminate vaccination, and young, healthy people, we're going to see some unintended harm. And my concern is that some schools may blindly accept this. So if the CDC decides to go ahead and put this on the routine vaccine schedule, it'll be up to states. And that's where I think parents have a right to say, let's see some clinical data before we force this as a requirement for school. All right, let's find out what you think. 209-551-3483. David from Modesto, what's your read on this? Hello, Mike. Thank you for taking the call. Um, I watch a show. I've watched it. This guy's been right for the last couple of years, Del Bigtree on the high wire. And the pros he has on there, these are international doctors, doctor and renowned in America. Um, they're... I remember they were saying 
these vaccines should be tested to see if you don't get some kind of a reaction when you start putting it in with all these others that kids are taking nowadays. And they take far more than you and I were taking as children. So, I mean, they, yeah, they got to test this stuff, not just say, hey, what this is doing with mice. They're not, they're not loading up the mice with the full schedule that a kid has got. You know, when you start doing stuff like that, you could have an adverse reaction. Absolutely. And I think one of the points, and and you just mentioned this, David, is that a lot of people are saying, uh, look, the the tests that have been done are, are fall far short of what we need to be secure in the fact that our children are not going to be affected by this. David, thanks for your comments. Appreciate that very much. By the way, my friends, we'll, we'll talk about some of the adverse effects, an example of it, in a couple of moments. Our phone number, 209-551-3483. So what do you think? Should we expose our children to this with the least amount of information we have right now? We'll come back and talk about it in five minutes here on The Mike Douglas Show, 209-551-3483. Mike Douglas Show continues on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. With the big news of the day, here's more of the Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show. Mike Douglas here, your concierge for conversation as we get things going midweek here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Uh, just before the uh, half hour break there, a uh, breaking report. Uh, the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, uh, their panel has voted to add the recommendation to add COVID shots to the recommended school vaccine schedule. Well, there we go. How do you feel about that? Are you comfortable with that decision from the CDC panel? Likely to be affirmed by the White House, I would guess. Let's get your thoughts. Our phone number 209-551-3483. 209-551-3483. Uh, first up, Melinda from Modesto. Uh, what are your thoughts, Melinda? My thoughts? While you were talking about voting earlier and using a Churchill quote, never give in, never, ever give in, my thoughts immediately went to putting a piece of cloth on my face and taking a jab that I know nothing of. That's where my thoughts went. So that's what I would say. I would go back to your original, never, ever give in. I never put a cloth on my face, and I will never submit myself to a jab just because some CDC recommends it or some doctor. I've been fortunate enough in my life to have a lot of health issues. And I think a lot of them probably stem now looking back to the vaccinations, the few that I was given as a young child, because the first time I went in an ambulance, I was two years old and couldn't breathe. And I've had breathing issues ever since. So I would say be very leery and very careful about what you put into your body. And as the doctors have diagnosed me over the years and offered me medications, probably three quarters of the time 
I have either turned down that prescription or went and got it and threw it in my garbage. Melinda, I I feel that in a, a country, a nation where we're supposed to have freedoms, that the government ought not to be able to make this kind of dicta. Uh, that they fill yeah. us with chemical chemicals uh, we don't want and such. And I, I think, I think now, Melinda, the the nation is starting. Much of the nation is starting to wake up, and, and I don't believe it's really partisan. I think people are just waking up and saying, "This is dysfunctional." Look, look at the dysfunctions that have come out of the lockdowns, especially uh, affecting our our children's uh, our, our children. Uh, Melinda, thanks for your thoughts. Appreciate that very much. Back to the phones, 209-551-3483. May in Oakdale uh, thinks uh, there are some other things going on behind all of this. May, what are your thoughts? Yes, hi, Mike. Um, Thank you. Actually, there's an adage that most of us know from our life that you look carefully at the money. You always want to trace the money. Um, There is a reason that the um, CDC, uh, et cetera, have decided to be put into the monicum for our children to be forced to take to go to school, Um, as well as if you go on, there's also uh, pregnant women um, that are added to that. Um, The reason behind all of that, a little nefarious, is that as the edict goes away for the emergency uh, coverage for the vaccine that we've had since the vaccine was manufactured, as you know, we have not been able to sue the manufacturers of the vaccine, either Moderna or Pfizer. You cannot, no matter how injured you are, sue them because it came out under an emergency order. As those emergency orders are lifted and the pandemic has waned, um, there is uh, then it will revert and we can then sue the manufacturer of the vaccine if we were to be injured. And there are many, many, many voices coming out about the injuries that they have uh, incurred from the vaccines. Um, all you need to do is, is read about those. Um, that, in fact, more and more voices come out every day. As as this is lifted, the emergency orders, convenient, the only time that you cannot go back and sue a vaccine um, entity, creator, manufacturer, is if it is now under the auspices of those vaccines for childhood and pregnant women. Convenient, isn't it, that we now have that edict. Second thing I would just lead um, people to look at is there is a doctor, um, in fact, actually, um, being a nurse practitioner, um, I I try to follow this since I get uh, questions from patients, Uh, but I would encourage people as long as they are able to find the UK cardiologist that was just, came out just within the last 
uh, one to two months, actually, uh, in August, but um, has just now come out very, very vehemently. His last name is uh, Malhotra, and he has called for a total um, stoppage of all of the COVID vaccines until they are um, further studied. No one to have any further vaccine. He called on um, who was then Prime Minister Boris Johnson and Joe Biden to um, halt all of it because of the deleterious effects. This cardiologist was the first one to get the vaccines, got them himself, and, um, and is now calling for um, and uh, to immediately stop all of the vaccinations. All right, and that's uh, uh, so, cardiologist. Uh, those two items. That's uh, that's cardiologist Asim Malhotra, M A L H O R T R A. If uh, if folks you want to look it up, May pointing out, uh, follow the dollar on uh, on what's going on behind the scenes. Look at the liabilities involved. So your opinion is. It all has to do with money, both uh, between the government and the pharmaceuticals, right? Correct. As you know, our government has just purchased additional vaccine. And, um, and as you also are hearing in the news, oh, interesting, we have a new variant coming uh, this, uh, this winter. Um, convenient, isn't it? Uh, very convenient, of course. Uh, I'm sure that uh, there will be money to uh, develop another uh, another shot to affect that one as well. May, thank you for the background. Appreciate that. Our telephone number, 209-551-3483. Talking about the CDC panel today, recommending that children do get the COVID shot in order to attend school. Uh, let's go back to the phones. Area code 209-551-3483. Uh, Brian from Oakdale. Brian, what's your read on this today? Hello, Ms. Douglas. Pleasure to speak with you. Something I want to speak on, this is an article from Science from 2020. Stem cell biologist Rudolf Janus and general uh, regulation specialist Richard Young, uh, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, who led the work to trigger a Twitter storm in December 2020 when their team first presented the idea in the preprint on BioRixiv. And what that is, is there is a hypothesis that they are studying at this Institute of Massachusetts to prove if this biotech engineering that is in the vaccine can alter people's DNA. Now, what's interesting is when you talk about COVID-19 vaccines, anywhere on social media, you talk about the, um, I, I was sick when I took the first dose. I took a first shot when it came out before the biotech stuff was in it. And I was through um, Pfizer and I got really sick and I decided not to take a second one. And so I kind of had, had a feeling that this biotech and uh, all, what's going happening right now is just what's happening. That was almost gosh two years ago now so now we have more indicators that the cc does not care about your health and if you look at the school board we must never forget what the loudon county school board did in virginia to call parents domestic mm -hmm. terrorists right. for getting involved in their children's lives my concern i'm not a parent 
but I do have, I do love children. I look after children at my synagogue and the idea that any of them can get sick from a vaccine being implemented by our government is absolutely heinous. And the idea that we have no voice to defend the rights of our children, this is totally wrong in my opinion. I think it's, it's, it, it, and it's not even tested. So God, God forbid, what if, um, I remember a story that leaked out of Michigan that children were having blood clots in their head. So it, it, it's, it's getting to a point now that when is enough enough? How, much, how many shots do we have to take? 200 shots before the CDC is happy? This is medical, by, this is medical for profit all the way, and it needs to stop. Yep, uh, Brian, I, I agree with you. I think the dollar, as uh, as as May uh, commented earlier, follow the dollar, watch the dollar. Sad to say, uh, that's what it's all about. And I think beyond that, Brian, it's 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 dollars, but it's also power and control. And as you mentioned, uh, the school districts and and their heinous response to parents who are defending their own children. And and so I think there are there are huge, huge implications for us regarding this kind of policy that, that go way beyond the vaccine. And what it really speaks to is government overreach and uh, the type of government we do not want to see again. We've seen it before. We've seen it in South America. We see it in Euro- Eastern Europe. Don't want it here. Brian, thanks so much for your comments. Really appreciate that. Talking about the CDC panel's decision to recommend kids get a COVID-19 shot to go to school, 209-551-3483, our number. Let's go to uh, Stanislaus County and Debbie. Uh, Debbie, what are, you, what are your comments about this today? Well, there, thank you for taking my call, by the way. Um I think your callers are the most genius people. Every time I listen, I just am in awe. Right now I'm sitting in my dining room with my window open and looking at the sun. And I'm listening to everybody and all of their hearts and all of their knowledge. They're right on the money. But there's one thing that they've left out, and we need to do a study on this. This was deliberate from the very beginning. It was a masterful plan, I have to admit. But you all don't even know who mastered that plan and why they had to do it. That's what you need to do. You're right about the money except for one thing you're lacking. In order to get your your thoughts, your, your brains, your power, everything you've got, all the knowledge you've accumulated since 2020, the money is for only one purpose, fellas. Sit down and be really, really careful now after I say this. In order to support the illegals that have been coming in here since since way, way back when Clinton was our president. Little by little by little, our country's been infiltrated with illegals for a very, very long time. Now, this is where the money comes in. In order to have the financial status to support all of this that's been happening that far back, right now every American citizen has a backup to their legitimacy. What I mean by that? is there's no American that doesn't have an illegal to back up them being gone. That's why all the drugs are coming in. That's why all the killings are happening. That's why all the things are happening from the people coming from all over the different countries. They're not coming just to come to the United States. They're coming for that. Certainly they are. But they're coming to take over the United States because it's a gold mine. 
and they've been doing it all these decades, and we've been blind to that. We've, be, we've been pushed off course. We couldn't, when Korea happened and Lebanon happened and all the different things that have happened to us in our time of life on this planet, this has all been a master plan. Now, when Barack Obama became president, he didn't hold back his feelings. you got to hand him that. you got to give him credit for it. He said the United States was a destructive, no good, rotten country and that they had done so much damage all over the world, and he was going to make sure that one way or the other, this United States would not remain the United States. He's a masterful, brilliant, brilliant brain. And by that, he needed money. And where did he get his money? From Hollywood. Hollywood has been a questionable situation for a long time, but the one thing they held on us is that we like to be entertained. We get off on that. That's a big whoopee-doo in our lives. We go to football games, basketball. We're just groomed for that since way before I was even born. Well, and I think, and Debbie, so that's, along, that, that's part of the whole issue of giving in. And uh, I think we've given in to Hollywood. Uh, we, we've given in uh, to government uh, overreach. We, we've not stood fast and we've not resisted it in an appropriate way. And uh, I think one of the ironies, Debbie, is that a lot of people are coming over the border who don't have to get the shots, and yet the CDC is saying, oh, if your children want to go to public school at least, uh, need to get the shots. Debbie, thanks for the call. Uh, we'll be back with your phone calls. Sherry from Modesto, you're up next as the Mike Douglas Show continues in three minutes here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. On air and online, take the Mike Douglas Show with you with the iHeartRadio app. Search 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show. Mike Douglas here, your concierge for conversation as we tackle the big issues of the day that affect you and me directly right here in California's Central Valley. Thank you for joining us here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. We've been talking about the CDC panel apparently uh, today recommending that children uh, get vaccinated uh, against COVID-19 in order to attend school. Our question is, how do you feel about that? Do you think that's a good decision, a bad decision? Do you think it's uh, a decision that you'd be willing to stand up against? 209-551-3483, our number. Sherry from Modesto has been patiently waiting. Sherry, welcome to the show. What are your thoughts about this today? Um, Thank you, Mr. Douglas. My concern was that... um I feel that that is wrong. It's a bad decision. And I'm concerned about uh, the perspective of of the private uh, and religious schools. What are they going to do when the state comes in and says, you know, starts to review their licenses and their, you know, do their review to see if they're um, uh, filling out all the qualifications to be be a school and to be licensed? And are they going to require that for the private schools and the religious schools and the parents who are putting their kids in private religious schools, a lot of them don't want their kids to have the jab. And so is that going to affect our private religious schools as well? And so I'm concerned about that. And I'm, and I'm just concerned overall about, like as previous callers have said, about our freedoms being taken away and our freedom to choose uh, what, what is best for our lives. And so that perspective is what I wanted to throw out to our listeners today. 
Sherry, I, I think you bring up a point that we we all need to dwell upon, especially as we come up to November 8, and that is government overreach. And really, especially here in California, and we know in Washington, D.C. as well, the government's propensity, its demonstrated uh, thirst to take over the role of parent. And, and we see that time and time again in decisions that are being made, uh, Sherry. So I think you make a good point there. The other, uh, and this is an interesting question, whether or not the CDC recommendation, which, Sherry, I assume is going to be approved by the White House, if indeed that's the order of the day, uh, then uh, the question is, are private schools, are parochial schools, are religious schools affected by that as well? My guess is that uh, they would be, especially if they accept uh, funding. I think the other issue for private schools is do they want to accept the liability if they don't? And, uh, and so we have, uh, we, we certainly know that, that schools, whether private or uh, public, required childhood vaccines. Uh, across the board, and I'm sure you're all familiar with uh, with that. Uh, but I uh, I don't know if this particular decision is going to affect uh, uh, private schools uh, or not. And if any of you out there know, if you work for a private school, give us a call two zero nine five five one three four eight three two zero nine five five one three four eight three. Sherry, thanks so much for the call. Good points there. And uh, again, I, I don't know definitively whether or not private schools are obligated. Now, they may choose to. Uh, we, we just uh, contacted a, a private school in our area, and they just blanketly said, uh, blanketly said, we require all the childhood vaccines that uh, are normally required, which doesn't specifically address the issue. So if you work for a private school or you know, uh, does this decision by the CDC, this recommendation by the CDC that I'm sure is uh, is going to be affirmed by the White House, does this affect private schools? Let us know if you know. 209-551-3483. 209 Three. Program note coming up in about an hour. We're going to talk to a former member of the mob. I mean, big time mobster. We'll talk to him about the FBI and crime today. That's coming up in about 30 minutes. Mike Douglas show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. We'll be back in five minutes. The show you love. Talking about the issues that are important to you. The Voice of the Valley. The Mike Douglas Show. Now every weekday from 3 till 5. On air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here again is your host, Mike Douglas. Always, always privileged to serve as your concierge of conversation here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Uh, been a very active day. Uh, we saw the bulletin here that the CDC panel is recommending that children receive the COVID-19 shot in order to attend school. And a good, good conversation around that. And uh, just a reminder, you can leave us your feedback on the iHeartRadio app 
talkback mic. Hey, just tap the talkback mic when you're listening to Power Talk 1360 KFIV on our free iHeartRadio app. You can send us a voice message to me, the show, our producer. And uh, again, if you have a a great comment, uh, we may play that on air. Well, Cheryl from Manteca tapped the talkback mic, and here's her comment regarding uh, vaccines and children. This is Cheryl from Manteca. In regards to the vaccinations being added to the list for children, I'm glad I don't have any kids in school anymore. If I did, I would have to hang them out. I hope that more parents will protest this. We don't even know what the long-term effects, if there are any, of this vaccination will do to these kids as they grow. Great job, Cheryl. Thank you so much. Again, Cheryl from Manteca using that talkback mic. Appreciate you taking the time to leave us that comment. Cheryl, again, my friends, if you're listening to us on the iHeartRadio app, just tap that red talkback mic and leave us a message here for the Mike Douglas Show. As we uh, as we take a look at the the broad based ramifications of of this, one of the issues that comes up a lot in terms of dangers, and and uh, Dr. Marty McCary mentioned that a little bit earlier in the show when we uh, played some of his comments. It's myocarditis, and here's the basic scoop on myocarditis uh, from the Mayo Clinic. It's, uh, they say it's an inflammation of the heart muscle, the myocardium. The inflammation can reduce the heart's ability to pump blood. Myocarditis can cause chest pain, shortness of breath, and rapid or irregular heart rhythms, otherwise known as arrhythmias. They say infection uh, with a virus is one cause of myocarditis, but sometimes it's a drug reaction. Hmm, or general inflammatory condition that causes myocarditis. Severe myocarditis weakens the heart so that the rest of the body does not get enough blood. Clots can form in the heart, leading to a stroke or a heart attack. Uh, Treatment can include, if treatment can be made, uh, to include medications, procedures, or surgeries, What's interesting is uh, the Mayo Clinic says some people with early myocarditis don't notice their symptoms. Others have mild symptoms. Well, what are some of those symptoms? Can be chest pain, fatigue, swelling of the legs, ankle, and feet, rapid or irregular heartbeat, shortness of breath at rest or during activity, lightheadedness, feeling like you might faint, or flu-like symptoms like headaches, body aches, joint pain, Sounds like one of those commercials on television, doesn't it? Uh, Take our medicine, but you might die from it. Anyway, uh, symptoms also include headache, body aches, joint pain, fever, or sore throat. And sometimes symptoms uh, may be like a heart attack. So they say if you're having unexplained chest pain and shortness of breath, seek emergency medical help. Now, what about children? Can they develop myocarditis? relative to the shot well yes in fact uh, the mayo clinic saying symptoms for children may include difficulty breathing chest pain fainting fever rapid breathing or rapid or irregular heart rhythms 
So I, I get, my question for you is, are, are we willing to gamble breathing difficulties, chest pain, fainting, fever, rapid breathing, and rapid or irregular heart rhythms in our children just because the CDC and the White House say so, and as Dr. Makari points out, without FDA clinical evidence one way or the other? I find that scary. Do you? Our number here, 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. Here's another thing that I find scary. Dateline, Riverside, California. Apparently, thousands of voters in Riverside County are receiving two mail-in ballots for the November 8 general election. But don't worry, say election officials there. There are safeguards in place to prevent double voting. County Registrar of Voters, Rebecca Spencer, says the mistake is attributed to a computer system error. And it was caught after 5,000 duplicate ballots had already been mailed out. Huh. You mean... Computer systems have errors regarding voting? How is that possible? Haven't we been told that there's there's no problem here at all? So, I don't know. I'm I'm thinking how 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 about just using paper ballots and going to the polls? What do you think? They go on to say It's important to note that none of the duplicate ballots will result in a voter being able to cast more than one ballot, says uh, the Registrar of Voters in Riverside uh, County. She says, I take election integrity seriously and I apologize for the inconvenience. That's an inconvenience? So apparently uh, the ballots, they now here's what they're saying. This is why they don't think there will be a problem. The ballots, they say, use unique barcodes. And once a person votes, the system prevents additional votes from being cast in that person's name. The second ballot would be automatically voided, she said. Well, that assumes that the computer's working correctly. The computer wasn't working correctly in the first time when the computer allegedly was at fault for sending out 5,000 duplicate ballots. Do you not think if the computer can mess up by sending out 5,000 duplicate ballots that perhaps the computer might mess up by counting the same ballot twice? Does... Really? Are you buying this? And I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist. I'm using common sense, as much common sense that I have. If if the computer in the first place can make a mistake by sending out 5,000 duplicate ballots, who's to say it can't make a mistake by counting the same ballot twice? Hmm? I'm this bothers me. Apparently, the registrar of voters there has come under fire on several occasions in the past from election integrity advocates, and they've said the current ballot tabulation and collection system is vulnerable to fraud. 
By the way, they do rely in part on Dominion voting systems. There we go again. Of course, uh, Dominion has uh, had a lot of scrutiny nationally as well. Uh, Dominion, they say their company machines are used in about 40 counties in California, according to our Secretary of uh, State. So, uh, do you have confidence in that? Now, I, 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 and maybe, maybe I'm just being too suspicious. Do you think I'm, do you think I'm full of too much caffeine? Because as you know, I have a coffee mug here and the Mike Douglas show proceeds as long as the coffee lasts. Maybe I've had too much caffeine, but I'm extremely bothered by this issue in, uh, in Riverside, California. What do you think? Does it bother you at all? 209-551-3483. Here's a feel-good story, though. This is, comes from Oakland, California. There's a store there called Noka Ramen. And <laughs> their staff there at Noka Ramen dress up as Power Rangers. Well, there was a woman that entered the restaurant the other day seeking help around 8 o'clock at night because a man had been chasing after her. And apparently, reportedly, he ran into the restaurant after her and put her in a chokehold. Well, the ramen shop servers who were dressed up like they often do as Power Rangers, they do that every Friday, and they're called the Noka Rangers, apparently, uh, they rescued this woman. Yeah. And uh, apparently the Yellow Ranger confronted the man and told him to leave. The man refused to go and began throwing punches, and the Yellow Ranger reportedly blocked the punches. And anyway, the uh, the uh, power, what are they called, the, the Noka Rangers? The Noka Rangers. Uh, made the lady safe, they rescued her, and the Yellow Ranger grabbed the man, the suspect, by his collar and dragged him out of the restaurant. And then the guy apparently returned with a friend to try and force their way inside, but they were both kicked out. I love this. I love this. Someone who brought up the story who who had witnessed this said all of the servers, uh, servers, uh, these Noka Rangers were moving towards the scene to help one another out. The patrons started getting involved in a way that was supporting and making sure everyone was safe. I love this. This is about not giving in. This is about community coming together and saying to this ne'er-do-well guy, no, you're not going to attack this woman, and we all have the guts to stand up together and prevents you from doing that. Apparently, that appeared on Instagram. I don't do Instagram. Uh, I guess I have an account. I think I've looked at Instagram maybe once or twice. But anyway, there are these uh, Noka Ramen Rangers are being hailed as real-life heroes for going above and beyond uh, in the time of need. So a Mike Douglas salute and our uh, our kudos to those of you Noka Ramen Rangers in Oakdale in Oakdale in Oakland rather good job my friends you're a great example of standing up for what's right and never never ever 
giving in. All right, just uh, a reminder, uh, coming up in about uh, 20 minutes or so, he was born into one of New York's most violent and feared Colombo crime families. He was affluent, generated between 5 to $8 million per week from both legal and illegal businesses. And he's going to be our guest coming up at 435 today on the Mike Douglas Show. So please hang with us. I'll be back in three minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Take the Mike Douglas Show with you every weekday from 3 till 5. Download the free iHeartRadio app and follow 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Do you uh, work at home? Do you have, do you have one of those jobs where you have the ability and and, and you work for someone else? D- do they allow you to work from home? Microsoft apparently is uh, struggling with this a little bit in terms of deciding how to measure the efficacy of people working from home. They say about uh, have uh, the employees in Microsoft are allowed to work uh, at home remotely about half the time. And, and time beyond that requires management approval. So the question is, how do you know if employees are doing their jobs or not from home. Well, you can do strictly data and observation. But Microsoft's vice president of modern work, Jared Spataro, says, while you might get a lot of data from tracking this type of employee activity, I can confidently say it's the wrong data. And surveillance doesn't just lead to bad data. It undermines trust, a critical factor in organizational success that once lost is incredibly difficult to regain. So the recommendation, apparently, from Microsoft, from the uh, CEO, Satya Nadella, is for leaders to get back to basics and just set clear business goals. I like that. Here's the mark you need to hit. And do you hit it or not? He says, uh, really make sure that you're very clear as leaders and managers about the goals of the company or the team. Make sure people know what the goals are and set the norms for how people collaborate and communicate. When I I remember many, many years ago, I was uh, working in a organizational structure and uh, they decided to monitor us uh, as pastors to find out how productive we were being. And uh, this didn't last very long, but the idea was that we had to fill out a sheet that tracked our activities every 15 minutes. I kid you not. Every 15 minutes. Now, some, maybe some of you are used to that. Maybe you have to do that. And that this wasn't electronic. these were hand logs. Fortunately, that went by the wayside. First of all, that promotes fudging, I think. That's a theological term, fudging. And secondly, I think it's the wrong metric. To me, the and I'm going to put on my president-CEO hat here. For me, the metrics of whether an employee is doing her or his job well or not is, 
are, are they meeting the goals that have been set? So if the, if the goal is to research needs and connect volunteers with those needs, the, the question is, is that happening? So we need to make the goals clear, and, but I, I am always about empowering employees to do what they need to do. And I, I don't micromanage. I feel that's dysfunctional. I feel it disrespects the employee and it causes the employee to start looking over their sh- collective shoulders and say, well, I'm being watched. I better watch my P&Q. No, I want them to be inventive. I want them to be creative. That, that's what I want. So if you're a fellow manager like I am, how do, how do you manage online employees? As long as the objectives are being met, I'm okay with employees telecommuting, so to speak. And we do it online. A lot of our work at Advancing Vibrant Communities is done online and by phone. Well, the, the phone can be answered remotely. The phone messages can be picked up remotely. And the database work that goes into our meettheneed.org database online, that can be done remotely. But what interacting with the volunteers and such, that needs to be done face-to-face. So it's, it's a mix. How do you handle that if you're a manager? And if you're an employee and, and you're working from home, do you feel spied upon? I don't have any monitoring system that I use for our employees at Advancing Vibrant Communities. Now we have very, very few because we have intentionally keep a very low overhead. So the majority of the money that we have goes to helping those in need. So we we keep a very low ratio of uh, employees at any one time. So my question is, if, if, if you are working from home, how, how do they determine if you're doing your job or not? My opinion as a manager is I set the goals, I empower you to meet the goals, and then I look on a regular basis, are those goals happening? If they're not, then we come together and we talk about it. I, I find that if you put draconian burdens upon people under your authority, they don't perform well. I just got a note here that someone appreciates me not micromanaging. That's not my nature. And one of the reasons is I don't like to be micromanaged. I'm not micromanaged by Power Talk 1360 KFIV, nor by iHeartMedia. We set a broad goal. They want me to be me. They want me to do well. And I do my best but I'm not micromanaged. I perform excellently. I go 150% when I am not micromanaged. You start micromanaging me, all right, we're going to see the results suffer. All right, coming up, we'll talk to an ex-mob member about what's going on in the United States of America. Five minutes, Power Talk 1360, KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. You're listening to The Mike Douglas Show, the voice of the valley. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. 
And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Mike Douglas here, your concierge for conversation as we meet to converse about the deep issues of the day that affect you and me directly right here in California's Central Valley. Again, thank you so much for joining us here on the Mike Douglas Show Monday through Friday, 3 to 5 p.m. on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Well, I have to confess, I have been looking forward to the conversation we're about to have uh, because this, I think, is going to be one of the most fascinating conversations we've ever had. Here on the Mike Douglas Show, Michael Franzese is, uh, well, he was born into one of New York's most violent and feared Colombo crime families. Mike, welcome to the Mike Douglas Show. Uh, let's begin by filling in briefly your history and where you are now. Well, I was born in Brooklyn and uh, my dad was the underboss of the Colombo crime family, one of the five New York Cosa Nostra families, and my dad eventually uh, drew a 50-year prison sentence uh, for masterminding an nationwide string of bank robberies. At that point, I was kind of drafted into the family. I was 21 years old, and my dad proposed me for membership, basically to try to help him get out of a, a, a you know, a very lengthy prison sentence. And uh, in 1975, I became a made member. I took an oath myself, along with five other gentlemen. And uh, I came in as a soldier in 1980. I was appointed to the position of Capo Regime or captain. And uh, I spent about 25 years in that life total um, and then walked away at some point. I did, you know, almost 10 years in prison. Uh, I had a number of uh, scuffles with the law. I was indicted seven times. I had over 18 arrests. I went to trial five times. So I certainly had my fill of, of what was going on on the streets and, and that part of that life. And then Long story short, Mike, I met a young girl who's now uh, my wife of 37 years. She was a young Christian girl, and uh, she motivated me to move out of that life and move away from it. It was very difficult to do that. You don't just walk away. But I was able to do that uh, with some real struggles and challenges along the way. But here I am now, uh, all these years later, and I've been very fortunate and very blessed to do what I do. It it would seem to me, uh, I mean, I'm... As an ex-law enforcement guy, I'm just looking at how gangs operate on the local level. I would imagine uh, that was a pretty uh, scary proposition of trying to exit that culture, wasn't it? Well, it was, Mike. You know, you're not allowed to walk away from that life. They say if you leave that life, you either leave in a coffin or you join the government, enter witness protection program. I've done neither. Uh, it wasn't easy, but, you know, look, I was a student of that life. I knew it extremely well because I operated on a high level for a long time. And, you know, one of the keys was moving out of New York. I could have never made it in New York. Too many guys, too well known. So I moved out to California. I've been living out here for, you know, about 35 years now, ever since I got out of prison in 95. And, you know, again, long story short, I just outlasted everybody. Everybody I know in that life, Mike, is either dead or in prison for the rest of their life. Most of them dead, Mm -hmm. but uh, some still in prison. Mike Frenzies is our guest, a former mob member, and I thought you are probably one of the best qualified people experientially to, to ask this question. We see crime running rampant today. We see evil running rampant. Mike, what's your read on that? Why are we where we are today, do you think? 
You know, Mike, one of the most insane. Now, you're talking to a guy that was on the street that grew up hating law enforcement, hating the government, because I always looked at them as harassing my family, framing my dad, put him in prison for all of those years, destroying our family. That was the way I grew up. I certainly don't feel any that way anymore because, you know, I finally realized in my life they're the good guys and we're the bad guys. But I can tell you this, I, I cannot understand these people that want to defund the police. They're so detached from reality. They've obviously never visited prison. They don't know what criminals are, are like. I would tell you this, if I was on the street and Rudy Giuliani indicted me at one time, I had seven indictments. And law enforcement, the FBI, would have came to me and said, oh, Mike, don't worry about it. You know, you, could, you can do whatever it is you're doing. We're not going you know, to have a big bail on you. We're not going to lock you up. You'll be up the next day, and we're going to go easy on you. We're going to reduce the prison sentences. Don't worry about it. Do you think I would have said, oh, great, now I'm going to go straight? I'm going to be a good guy? No. We would have taken advantage on that in every which way we could on the street. It's the same thing that's happening now, but the problem is, you know, these are these are daily criminals. These are the guys that I went to jail with. These are guys that are committing crimes on the street every day, serious crimes. There's not enough police to enforce the laws. The police that are out there, they're handcuffed. They can't enforce the laws. And look what's happening all over the country. And, you know, people have said to me, come on, Mike, you know, you never liked the police back then. I said, excuse me, we didn't have trouble with the local police. I have five daughters. I have two sons. I have six grandkids. When they walk the streets, I want them to be protected. When something's gone down, I'm, I'm calling 9-11. I don't understand this mentality, and I, I, it's all over the country where crime is rising in a way that I've never witnessed in my entire life. And I grew up in the street. I've never seen it like this. It's absolutely insane. We need law enforcement. We need people to enforce the laws. And if you eliminate the police and you go soft on crime, you're only going to see a rise in crime, and that's what's happening all over the country. It's crazy. Yeah, we're looking, uh, and and you've been in California a long time now. We look at uh, the likes of uh, George Gascon and uh, recently uh, Chase Bodine in uh, San Francisco. DAs that really don't want to do their job. They don't want to prosecute. Uh, Do you see that as one of the major contributing factors to this spread of crime, especially here in California? Absolutely. These people need to be thrown out of office, Mike. I I don't pull punches. It's horrible what they're doing. Look, you know, I live in a pretty affluent neighborhood, you know, in Newport Beach, Fashion Island, which is an affluent place. They're robbing cars out of that place like crazy. They're going into stores now, you know, and they're stealing things right off the shelves and walking out. These are affluent neighborhoods. Also, It's happening all over the country. I hear from people all over the country. You know, I have many relatives in New York. I just did a filming earlier today with people from New York. They said, Mike, I won't even let my daughter go into the city. That's how bad it's gone. They don't want to even drive, ride the subways. These soft-on-crime DAs have to be thrown out of office. There's no other way to put it. These are our, this is our lives at stake here. And, you know, and, and i got to say, it. that's why I'm coming here on Saturday to Stockton to support Tom Patty, because these are the beliefs that he has. He understands you have to be tough on crime. He understands you need law enforcement on the street. He understands you need safe neighborhoods. That, to me, is the number one issue. That and the second issue that that I have a real problem with, I can bring it out there, is the amount of drugs that are coming over the southern border. Mm -hmm. You know, I recently spoke to 850 Border Patrol agents. I was a keynote speaker at a conference they had. And what they told me afterwards when we talked, they said, Mike, we're not even getting 10% of the drugs that are coming over the border. We can't. 
we don't have the manpower. We don't have the help from the feds to, to crack down on this. And then they showed me something, Mike, that horrified me. They showed me a block. It was probably about two feet long, maybe an inch and a half thick, and another foot in width. And they said, Michael, this amount of, of fentanyl can kill the entire population of the world, 7 billion people, and it's coming over the border. We can't control it. I mean, this is an epidemic. And this is the enforcement policies that are, that are strangling our, our country. It's an epidemic, and we need to do something about it. Mike, uh, from your experience, and I, I, I think you are probably someone that is absolutely qualified to talk about this, we hear so much about rehabilitation. Uh, and a lot of these DAs that we've been talking about, in fact, they have an organization, as you probably know, here in California dedicated to this. Uh, they want to see prison reform, uh, but they seem to have taken the pendulum way, way far into the, into the wrong direction. From your experience, what are we missing in terms of reforming people inside the prison system? What are we doing that's, that's wrong? What, are we, what do we need to do that really might have an effect? Well, you know, there is really no real reform in prison. And the way to have prison reform is not to eliminate prison. You still need prison. But you can't expect guys to go into prison, have no form of rehabilitation whatsoever, be around other criminals, learn only from them and from no one else, and then come out and be productive members of society. That doesn't make sense on its face. And in reality, it's not going to happen. There are ways. Look, I will say this. I did eight years in prison myself. I visited my dad for over 30 years. I know a lot about prison. I can tell you this. You know, every Christian discipleship program that came into the prison, I saw very positive effects. And what I mean is this. Recidivism rate across the board, you know, for criminals coming out and going back in, is about 65%. When Christian programs came in, and they disciple people inside the prison, and then again when they came out, the recidivism rate drops all the way down to 5%. Now, what does that tell you? It tells you there is a way to create reform in prison in the right ways, whether it be a Christian program or a program similar to that. You have to give these people something. You can't just throw them in there and expect that they're going to come out productive human beings and, and members of society when you're not showing them or giving them anything in there. So many of these guys, you know, I always say this. And sometimes I get hit for this, but it's the truth. The, the root problem of everything that's going on in America is the, is the disintegration of the family, the breakup of the family. Yes. How do I know this? I spent eight years in prison with a lot of young kids coming into the system, 20, 21, 22 years old, mandatory minimum drug sentences in the federal system. You get 20, you're doing 17 and a half. There's no parole. These kids come in. You can write the same script for every one of them, Mike. No father figure in the house. Broken home. Mom trying to do her best. She's got her own problems. She can't really manage the child. What does he do? He goes out on the street in one of these poor neighborhoods. He gets involved with the local gangbanger. Before you know it, he's doing his bidding, ends up in jail, or God forbid, something worse. These kids have no guidance. They have no mentor, no father figure in the house. They're not being taught anything. You know, you've got to give them something in there. I don't have all the answers. But you could model it on some of these Christian mental programs that are giving these kids a basis of, of morality, which they don't have. And, and I'm not picking black, white or anything else. I'm talking about them across the board that come in 
in these rough neighborhoods. And we got to do something about it. it. It's a difficult situation, but I always say this, you know, I speak about it all the time. We adults created the situation that these young people are living in, and we have to do something about it. And it's a tough problem. It's not something that's going to happen overnight, but people have to really be concerned about it and really want to do something about it. And again, you know, I have to bring it up because it's important. That's why we have to put people in office that care, that really want to do something, that are not going into office to earn money and to come out millionaires, that are not interested in politics alone, but really interested in helping people in America. And again, you know, I'm taking it very seriously. I've never supported a candidate in my life. And this is the first time with Tom Patty that I'll be up there this Saturday uh, to support him because he's a decent human being. He cares about it. He's got a tremendous track record. And uh, he's a guy that's going to make a difference. And we need people like him. Mike Frenzies is our guest, former member of the mob, and experience just absolutely incredible. Uh, let me ask you very quickly, and, and I'm a law enforcement guy. The FBI right now seems to be being used as a political tool, as a political weapon. What, what's your read on that right now? There's no question. Look, I grew up, you know, with the FBI at my step. You know, back in the day, their, their tactics against organized crime are very different than they are today. Today, everything is very covert. High-tech surveillance equipment, undercover informants, cameras on every street corner. Back in my day, when they wanted you to know about it, they were there. I mean, my dad at one point in time had seven or eight different agencies surveilling him, and every one of them had a car parked around my house 24-7. Wow. I had a lot of experience with the FBI, my own issues and all. But, you know, and we saw them do things that were off color. We know what they did. We know that they planted, you know, evidence and stuff like that. But, hey, they're doing it against the mob. Is it right? No. Because when you give them an inch in one area, they're going to take advantage of it in another. There's no question today that the FBI, the, the, the most powerful investigative body on the planet, is politicized. I mean, if people don't see this, if they don't see the administration using them for their own benefit, it's so apparent. You know, and it's, it, to me, it's scary because what you don't realize when you give the government an inch, they take a yard and they never give it back. And they just expand their power and expand their control. And look, I can, I can rattle off stories of people that have had such difficult experiences with them. We're seeing it every day in the press. And it's a terrible thing. It's terrible and it's frightening. And it's, uh, you know, look, you know, as Thomas, and Je Thomas Jefferson once said, he said, there's never been a democracy in history that hasn't uh, burned itself and destroyed itself. And it's happening in this country. I, I, Mike, I'm very worried. You know, I, not for me. I'm 71 years old. What are you going to do to me? But I got children. I got grandchildren. You know, this country is not the same country that I grew up in. It's, we got troubles here. We got to put the right people in office. That's what it's all about. Absolutely. And uh, Mike uh, Frenzies, our guest. Uh, Mike, you've, you've mentioned a couple of uh, salient points. Uh, two of them, I think, are very important. One is the attack upon our Judeo-Christian uh, underpinnings of our culture. You take that away, we will fall, in my opinion. And secondly, the attack upon the family. Uh, Hollywood has been very famous for that over the years, attacking the family, making fun of fathers and such. Uh, very quickly, before we let you go, speaking of Hollywood, uh, you had a role in, in the movie Goodfellows in some way, is that right? 
Yeah, I mean, they, they named me. They had a character that kind of played me. It was a small role, but, you know, it, it was funny. I know the, uh, the writer there, Nick Pelleggi, and when I saw the movie, it came out when I was in prison, I think. But when I finally saw it, I was surprised when I seen it mentioned me because that's a different family. Oh. That wasn't my family, but I knew Henry Hill and I knew Jimmy Burke very well. So when I called up Nick, I said, Nick, why did you throw me in there? I said, I, I really had nothing to do business-wise with these guys. He said, well, Mike, you had name value and people knew who you were, so we put you in there and Henry spoke well about you. So, uh, But yeah, and uh, gosh, I've gotten more talk about that character than anything you could believe. But I knew them all. I knew all those guys, so that's why I put me in there. But uh, it's a good movie, I can tell you that. One of the, one of the most realistic. Uh, it's good to know. Michael Franzese has been our guest. Uh, just a powerful interview. We thank you so much for visiting with us. If you'd like to see him live, he'll be involved in that forum coming up this Saturday from 1.30 to 3 p.m. at the First Baptist Community Center, 33 West Alpine in Stockton, for those of you in the area. And uh, you'll, you'll be there with Tom Patty and uh, also uh, Stockton City Vice Mayor Christina Fugazi as well. Uh, Mike, thanks so much for joining us today, and I uh, hope we can visit with you in the future. Fascinating interview. Thank you so much for spending time with us. Anytime, Mike, and thanks for having me. Take Absolutely. Care. Thank you, uh, Mike Franzese. We'll be back with the Mike Douglas Show in three minutes here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here's more with the voice of the Valley, Mike Douglas on Power Talk 1360 KFIV and streamed on the iHeartRadio app. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Mike Douglas here, your Concierge for conversation, uh, fascinating conversations today, uh, aren't they? Oh, here's another interesting. Uh, we were talking about law enforcement and such with Michael Frenzies, a former member of the uh, Colombo crime family, for goodness sakes. Uh, out there in Oakland, police department, they're checking uh, in on how to use robots to deploy lethal shotgun rounds in emergency situations. What do you think about that? Yeah, apparently they're exploring the option of using robots equipped with a device that could be deployed to fire live shotgun rounds against suspects in emergency situations. Uh, This, uh, (laughs) I don't know how I feel about that. I, I, I understand the value of robots in some situations, especially... You know, if there's a bomb, if there's a hostage situation, uh, in terms of uh, gathering intelligence and such, I'm not sure that I want a robot with a live shotgun round ready to fire it. I've maybe I've seen too many futuristic movies. I I just I am not comfortable with that. So uh, apparently, uh, the Oakland Police Lieutenant Omar Daza Kiros told uh, The Intercept that uh, there's a debate between Oakland Police and a city oversight council on whether to use deadly force via robots. So the Oakland Police Commission subcommittee uh, had a meeting that discussed accessories that police robots can use, such as percussion actuated non-electric disruptors there's there's a name i don't know how you feel about it 
We'll be back tomorrow to talk about that and much, much more here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Thanks so much for joining us today. I'll see you tomorrow at 3. Have a blessed night.